welcome to our Kingdom Culture Podcast. For today's message, we are thankful for what God is doing through this podcast to encourage and transform lives around the world. If you have a story to share about how God has encouraged or transformed your life through this podcast, we would love to hear about it by emailing us at mystory@kingdomculture.ca. If you would like to support this ministry financially to help us bring messages like this to you every week, you can do so online at kingdomculture.ca at the give option. We also would love to connect with you on our social media, on Instagram and Twitter at KC Ottawa and Facebook at Facebook slash Kingdom Culture Ottawa. We pray that you would experience God today and be encouraged through today's message. Enjoy! Hey, Kingdom Culture family, welcome to our online Sunday experience. Thank you so much for tuning in. Once again, please don't forget to like, subscribe to our channel, share it with your friends, share it with your family, invite someone to online church, bring them into the chat. We'd love to hear from them. Also from you, let us know how we can pray for you, support you in the season. If you're watching from Facebook, even after the fact, welcome. Please share the message. Please like it, comment, engage in the chat. We just love to connect. This is our way right now in this season. So we'd we'd love it and appreciate it so much if you would do those things as it helps us continue to create a stronger online presence. If you've been watching with us or tracking with us the last several weeks, we've been in a series called Breaking Through You. It's been I believe a really powerful one. Uh, As we move into the fall season, there are things that I believe the Holy Spirit wants us to address on the inside of our lives so that we can break through on the outside of our lives. We've been talking all about the internal things that keep us back, the internal belief systems, the mindsets, the things within that often we forget about. While we're trying to break through things that are on the outside and the external, we forget sometimes about the power of the breaking through in the internal, hence why the series is called Breaking Through You. We have to break through things within us often before we break through things that are on the outside of us. So just to give you a little bit of a recap, I'm not going to spend too much time, but week one we talked about exposing the genuine and how trials trigger uh, a true proving of genuineness of faith. And we spoke out of 1 Peter chapter 1, chapter 3, chapter 4 and 5. Week 2, we talked about surrender when it's hard, uh, sticking it all up to God, surrendering it all to God. What does it mean to stick it up? What does it mean to look up? What does it mean to offer up? Spoke, speaking out of 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6, talking about humility and humbling ourselves under the mighty power or hand of God, and in due time, he will lift us up in honor. We talked about what that looks like. Week three, last week, we talked about the qualities for breaking through, how there are qualities we find in 2 Peter chapter 1 uh, uh, that, that give us sort of a precedent or give us a blueprint of the things that we need to develop in our life so that we can break through. Talking about keeping our eyes healthy and how, you know, Peter addresses these qualities in relationship to often the when they're underdeveloped, why we are nearsighted and blind. So if you haven't read that or, I mean, heard that or saw that message, I would encourage you to go back, listen, watch, and uh, I know it will really strengthen you. Now, just to give you a little bit of context as we've, I've kind of been giving context along the way, we have been camped out in First and Second Peter for this entire series. 
Okay, so, so far. And there's going to be five weeks of this series. Next week, we're going to be doing a little bit of a different component. It won't be a part of First and Second Peter. But for the first four weeks, this being the fourth week, we have camped out in First and Second Peter, mostly First Peter and just recently last week, Second Peter. Now, the context is Peter probably wrote this letter from prison, okay, in Rome. Now, these two letters, first and second Peter, they're connected in that the first letter uh, really was speaking to churches and specific areas of Asian Meyer, uh, Asia Minor, okay? So many different churches. We don't know exactly what specific areas, but in the realm or in the area of Asia Minor, this is where Peter was speaking to, okay? And this is where he was writing to. We see this connected in the latter part of Second Peter as well. So it's probably the same, uh, the same area and the same type of people that he is speaking to, because he talks about how he wants to remind us, and he references his first letter in the second letter of second Peter. Okay. And so, um, now you got to understand too, that these two letters were also written really close to before Peter was actually martyred before he died. So this first and second book, even the second book has a little bit more of an aggressive tone and coming at a lot of the false teaching, the false heresy, the things that have been become divisive. And he's really addressing it. And he's kind of, it almost sounds like he's going out with a bang. He's going out with a big punch, big KO, big knockout, big home run. And so we're going to go into that a little more. And two of the main things that he's addressing, yes, in First Peter, we hear him addressing um, suffering and, you know, what it looks like to come out on the other side and how this, like I said in the first message, proves our faith genuine. First Peter chapter 1, verse 7, proving our faith genuine. Trials trigger and prove our faith genuine. So that was really, he's honing in on the suffering aspect, and he does address the false teaching. In Second Peter, though, he's really coming up against false teaching that, he's, that is spreading, and it's multi-layered, but the two main subjects that he's coming up against is people's um, disbelief or false teaching regarding the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and as well as the um, final judgment. Two very important realities, okay? And also even the resurrection of, of the body. So let's continue on in, in for us as as humans when we die. There's new heaven, new earth, okay? It's a whole different topic, but connects to the end and it connects to the afterlife, okay? So these are some of the things that he's coming up against, Peter. Um, and this is what he's addressing in 2 Peter. So we're going to dive into 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 17. Let's read it together. You already know these things, dear friends, so be on guard. Then you will not be carried away by the errors of these wicked people, speaking of those that are spreading these false teachings, and lose your own secure footing. Verse 18, rather, you must grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus, Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. All glory to him both now and forever. Amen. This is near the close of 2 Peter. But the thing that I want to hone in on is what he means when he says, be on guard. Be on guard. I, I'm going out with a bang. I'm about to die. I'm writing this to you in a place of probably discouragement, encouragement. I'm about to die. And I want to encourage you to be on guard. Be on guard. Because this is the way to longevity. This is what we're talking about today. So today's message title is Keep Your Guard Up, The Way to Longevity. If you want to live the spiritual life 
and the spiritual faith you're called to live and live it out for the long haul, not giving up along the way, not throwing in the towel along the way. If you want to make it to the end, you need to learn and we need to learn what it means to keep our guards up, to shield ourselves from things that would try to take us out and bring us into error. This is what he's talking about. He says, be on guard, then you will not be carried away by the errors of these wicked people and lose your own secure footing. You might feel secure right now. You might feel solid right now as a believer. You might feel like nothing could move you. But as soon as you let your guard down, remember, there's a vulnerability. We're human, okay? And if we let our guard down in seasons where there's all kinds of things coming at us from every which way, we will not be able to make it the long haul. We need to keep our guard up. I mean, Paul talks about in Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 6 about putting on the full armor of God, okay? There are things that we need to do every day as reminders of who God is and what he is for us so that we can live the faith for the long haul, okay? If we are gonna break through, we have to break through on the inside. And there's things that we have to break through in this season that for us to break through, we need to keep our guard up on the inside. We as a culture, and I'm talking about not just kingdom culture as a community, but as a kingdom culture of believers across the board, okay? In general, kingdom people have to break through the external elements around us that are challenging our internal, our internal beliefs. There are external pressures and things right now all around our lives that are challenging every day our internal belief systems, our values, where we stand on so many important issues, you guys. I mean, it's happening right now everywhere you look, social media, the news, everywhere you go, all the things that are happening in society right now, not just in Canada, but around the world, are challenging our internal belief systems, okay? And this is what we're talking about today. So we need to guard against, and this is what I wanna go, there's five main things that we find in 2 Peter Okay, that we that that are addressed that we need to guard against. There, obviously, there are many more, but we're speaking just from Second Peter. If we want to break through and make it for the long haul, we need awareness and awareness of where the word. Okay, speaking of the Bible, capital W, where the word, the Bible, and the truth of what God says is being squashed in our culture. We're asking God for awareness. God, where, what, what, um, what is the awareness that we need right now where the word, your word, your, your scripture, your logos, okay, your infallible word, who you are as logos and rhema, where is that and the truth of all of that trying to be squashed right now on the inside of us because of what's happening around us in the culture. So number one, this is our encouragement. This is what I believe Peter is encouraging. The believers in Asian, in Asia Minor, number one is keep your guard up against, number one, the slander of truth. The slander of truth. Let's read it, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. Now I'm going to rewind. I kind of read the last part of 2 Peter. Now I'm going to bring it back because we talked about in the beginning about how these things that were spreading were bringing people into error, okay? And he's talking about keeping our guard up against these errors so that we do not miss out, so that we do not throw in the towel prematurely. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. But there were also, also, Keyword: 
false prophets in Israel, okay? There were also false prophets in Israel, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will cleverly, which is a very, I think, important word to tune into, not just they will teach, but they will cleverly teach destructive, everyone say destructive, destructive heresies and even deny the master who brought them. They will cleverly teach destructive heresies and even deny the master who brought them. In this way, they will bring sudden destruction on themselves. Many follow their evil teaching and shameful immorality. And because of these teachers, listen to this, the way of truth will be slandered. The way of truth will be slandered. So because of these destructive, divisive, heretical teachings that are coming from people that Peter is addressing specifically here, because of these things that are happening, the way of truth will be slandered, the slander of truth. Let's just break a few of these words down. I want to bring some definition to some things. So when he says here, they will cleverly teach destructive heresies, it means to introduce or propose, to cleverly, to introduce or propose. Now, for those of you that don't understand what a heresy is, it's a destructive division or a false teaching, okay, that brings people away from truth, okay? So they will introduce or propose a destructive, divisive, false teaching, and even, okay, this word for deny, even deny, this word for deny means disown, eat, refuse to agree, disregard, refuse to follow, even means be false to oneself. They will even deny, they will even disown, they will refuse to agree, they will disregard, okay, the master, speaking of Jesus, the one who they once knew, the one who they once professed, they, they, they will deny, they will disown, they will refuse to agree, disregard regard Jesus as Lord, as King, okay? And it says here, the does deny the master who brought them. And then it will continue on verse two. Many will follow their evil teaching, shameful immorality. And because of these teachers, the way of truth will be slandered. The word is reviled, okay? Or blasphemed, maligned, or even to defame, okay? To defame the way of truth, the way of truth will be um, uh, maligned or blasphemed or reviled, so to speak. So remember, some of the things that Peter was addressing here are was the reality of Jesus's resurrection and the final judgment, okay? And so the whole first and second Peter really is, there's this, this continuation of encouraging believers to continue to find their hope in God and especially to stay grounded in the word. Now, I wanted to say this at the forefront, when you're keeping your guard up and you're trying to figure out, okay, where is the truth of God being slandered in society? Well, and especially the, the deceiving part of it is, is it's, it often, and not always, but often comes from people that once had professed a faith in Jesus Christ, once had professed the 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 that the master Jesus. This is what he's talking about, actually. That will deny that that once said they were all in. Now have denied the master. They've denied, disregarded Jesus, who brought them into freedom. Okay. I wanted to say this at the forefront. If you're questioning, you're wondering, 
where someone's motivation is at. If you're wondering if somebody who's doing something specific is, if it's false, if it's true, there's so much confusion happening right now. There's so much teaching and new things that are constantly coming out, challenging everything that we say that we believe, our value systems, you know, what we stand on as truth, what we believe about the Bible, is it infallible, is it fallible? All these things that come against us in society consistently, and especially in the last, I'd say the last two years, even more, just being in a pandemic and all kinds of things flaring up in our world around us. The one litmus test that we need to continue to evaluate or continue to um, you know, put out there consistently if we wanna know, is this person, what they're doing, is it right? Just look for fruit, okay? Look for fruit. And remember, there is fruit that is appealing to the eye that is forbidden. There is fruit that is appealing to the eye that is forbidden to touch. And then there is the fruit of the Spirit. Just because it appeals to your eye. When I say look for fruit, this is where a lot of us get confused. We look for fruit. And we look at something and we say, that makes sense. That looks good. It appeals to me. It, it's drawing me in. I feel connected to that fruit. I'm not talking about that kind of fruit. Because that kind of fruit got Adam and Eve in big trouble back in the garden. It was appealing, the Bible says, to her eye, to Eve's eye. She saw it as a tree. Uh, the fruit was desirable to make one eye. She was, to make one wise. She was, she was, she was, her desire was being, was being um, uh, manipulated in that moment. She, she, it was appealing to her hunger. It was appealing to her desire. It was appealing to her eyes. I'm talking about the fruit of the Spirit found in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 to 23. Let's read it. But the fruit, or the word is harvest, okay? But the harvest produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all its varied expressions. Let's talk about divine love and varied expressions. Joy that overflows, okay? So if you want to know what someone's source probably is, Look for these attributes, okay? Look for the fruit found in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. Joy that overflows, peace that subdues, patience that endures, kindness in action, a life full of virtue, faith that prevails, big one, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart, gentleness of heart, and strength of spirit. Never set the law above these qualities, for they are meant to be limitless. And so, if we want to know if truth is being slandered, if we want to address the source of the why behind sometimes these teachings that are coming out around us that seem like they're slandering the truth, you want to know what that litmus test is to win every time, to really see God or not, or not see God in that teaching, look for the fruit. Look for the fruit of what I just said. So number one, we have to keep our guard up against the slander of truth in society. And by the way, I want to say this. I mean, one of the big things that's happening right now is everyone has their truth. Just because you have your truth 
does not mean it is the truth, okay? We preach the Bible. I believe absolutely with all of my heart, the Bible is the infallible word of God. Um, I've had the opportunity to live and experience things, talked about this last week, from the Bible. Why? Because I use and I believe the Bible is a gateway to deeper relationship with God. I don't worship the Bible. I don't worship the script. I worship the one who is the script. He is the capital W word. He is the capital T truth. He is the way, the truth, and the life, okay? Without Jesus, the word, that I'm talking about the logos, the written scripture, is just words on a page. But with Jesus as the leader, and with the power of the Holy Spirit working within me, the word brings to life the person of Jesus, brings me deeper and roots me deeper in him. And in a day we live in, when there's just so much truth, your truth, this truth, that truth, it's like we need to know the truth himself and then get 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 back into and rooted in the truth of the word of God that showcases and celebrates and magnifies Jesus as the truth. So number one, keep your guard up against the slander of truth. Number two, the despising of authority. We're seeing this everywhere. The despising of authority. People don't like authority these days. People don't like leadership. People don't like anybody that may appear or seem to be higher than them, above them, or over them. And this hits every area of society from education to media to the church, to so many different areas, business, government, so many areas of our society that are really key and instrumental in moving our culture forward. Number two, the despising of authority. Let's read it in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 10. He is especially hard, speaking about God, he is especially hard on those who follow their own twisted sexual desire and who despise authority. Okay, these people are proud and arrogant, daring even to scoff at supernatural beings without so much as trembling. So what does it mean to despise authority? This word despise means to look down upon, to think slightly of, or to have an arrogant disrespect for authority. Now, this is the context of this verse is talking about two are several possible scenarios talking about the disrespect of the lordship of God in our life, the lordship of Jesus, the disrespect of the angelic and or the disrespect of the demonic. And we can read it into Jude. Okay, there's only one chapter in the book of Jude, but Jude verse 9. So Jude 9, you can read it because it's connected there. Uh, there's a connection here in Jude 9 as, as we're reading in 2 Peter. And this disregard for the supernatural, this disregard for um, spiritual authority, this disregard and this almost scoffing uh, at, and we'll get into the next point actually in a few moments, but another way that this could be um, played out, obviously we talked about the disregard and lack of respect for the lordship of God in our life. Lordship meaning he's the one who's leading us. He's the one who is master over our lives. He is the one that we surrender to. We give everything to because he's worthy. He's worth it. He gave it all. So we naturally want to give it all back to him because it's his anyways. Our life is his. But one of the ways that we disregard or disrespect arrogantly the lordship of God or despise authority in our life, okay, is in the home, the family unit, 
in the church and in the culture. All these things where we, when we don't honor, when we don't honor authority in the home, authority in the family unit, mother, father, authority within the church, authority within the culture, this all ultimately affects our relationship with our ultimate authority, i.e. the lordship of Jesus Christ in our life. To despise authority literally overflows into every single area of our life. To say I love God and hate my brother, to say I love God and hate my sister, to say I love my God or I love God and hate my mother, my father, to say I love my God and say, basically screw you to the government and all these different ways that we are navigating certain things in this season is to say, God, you are not Lord of my life in specific areas. Why? Because God wants us to honor authority. I'm not saying that honor means agreement, two different things. In fact, real honor, real honor is to honor authority even in the midst of disagreement. That's what real honor looks like, okay? It's like you honor your father and mother. Doesn't mean you agree with everything your father and mother say, but to continue to honor and walk and move forward in the midst of disagreement, that's what honor looks like. And I'm not even saying that to honor means you have to stay in relationship with every single person in your life that you disagree with. I'm not saying that either. I'm just saying that you can still love, you can still be kind to, you can still manifest the fruit of the Spirit, you can even maybe walk together even in the midst of disagreement. Now, I'm not saying that also means you don't stand up for yourself, you don't stand your ground, you don't speak your truth and speak the truth of who God and what God says about you and the situation. I'm just saying that Honor looks like walking and moving forward in the midst of conflict and disagreement. Because it's really easy to honor. Say you honor someone or something when everything's good, when everything goes your way, when they agree with everything that you say and do whatever you want them to do. But it's one thing to begin to honor based upon authority, okay? If God has given specific authority to an individual, Okay, a specific mantle, let's call the mantle, the calling, the authority. Doesn't mean that they're better than you. Doesn't mean that, you know, that, that, that God doesn't see value in you. Just they have a different responsibility. And when you can honor them from their responsibility, when you can honor them from their mantle that's on their life, even if you disagree, that's what honor looks like, okay? I, it's like honoring God. There's things that God will ask me to do or want me to do, and I may not totally agree. You know, I can say I agree by faith, but I, I, I may not totally agree or want to do those things, but because I honor God, I end up doing those things. I wanna do what God wants me to do, even if I have a disagreement in that moment. I don't feel like doing it, I don't wanna do it, I'm afraid to do it. I do it, I lean in because I see the value of honor. I see the value of lordship. He is the authority in my life. And so this is one of the things that we need to guard against, the despising of authority. Where we see truth being slandered in our society, in our culture, or even in spiritual circles around us, and we see the despising of authority, let me just say this. Keep your guard up because you don't want that poison to get in. You don't want that toxicity to get into your spiritual life because it will take you out. It is an error that will take you out, which Peter addresses in chapter three, which I read in the beginning. Number three, we need to keep our guard up against the mockery of faith. The mockery 
of faith. Second Peter chapter two, verse 12. These false teachers are like unthinking animals. This is aggressive language. Are like unthinking animals, creatures of instinct, born to be caught and destroyed. They scoff at things or they mock at things. They do not understand, and like animals, they will be destroyed. Their destruction, verse 13, is their reward for the harm they have done. They love to indulge in evil pleasures in broad daylight. They are a disgrace and a stain among you. They delight in deception, even as they eat with you in your fellowship meals. That's, uh, I would say that, you know... (laughs) there's always a Judas among you, okay? Judas was at the Last Supper, and uh, yeah, we all know what happened there. But they delight in deception even as they eat with you in your fellowship meals. Now, one of the ways we can define scoff would be to speak profanely of sacred things, to speak profanely of sacred things. How many know people right now out there around you at some point in your life? I know many that speak profanely against sacred things, that come against the things of God without context often and mock and scoff. It's like the scoff or scoffing at things that transpire as a result of faith. It's the mockery of faith. It's the mockery of faith. If they can't understand it, then they will make fun of it. If they do not agree with it, they go after it. Ultimately, it is because they delight in deception. Now, one of the things that says in the beginning part of this verse in chapter uh, 2, verse 12, is they scoff at things they do not understand because their logic can't, it can't fit into their logical box, logical mind box. If they can't figure it out, if they can't prove it by some sort of science or some sort of logic that that they are into in that moment, if they can't find specific types of evidence that satisfy their evidence-oriented taste buds, if they can't figure it out, it must not be God. It must not be right. It must not be true. It must not be the truth, or whatever the case may be. They don't understand it, so therefore, how can it be true? But God is not limited to our understanding. Let me remind you of what it says in Isaiah, that God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. There are things that God will do that go beyond your wildest dreams, your wildest imaginations, because God is in the business of blowing our mindsets up all the time. That's why Paul said in Romans chapter 12, be renewed in the mind, be renewed in your thinking. Repentance is all about turning away from something over here and changing your perspective, moving ahead, leaving the old ways behind, the old mindsets behind, the old things behind that are holding you back, the sin that's entangling you, to repent is to turn your way and to see from his perspective. God is always renewing and rejuvenating and restoring our mindsets and perspectives if we allow him to. Now imagine, okay, imagine this. Imagine you get to heaven one day and God was like, man, you spent your whole life trying to prove everybody wrong. You spent your whole life scoffing profanely at sacred things. You spent your whole life because your mind couldn't comprehend it, your mind couldn't make sense of it, spent your whole life coming against things rather than just being for things. And he compares this mindset, he compares what he's addressing here to, he likens it to animals, animals of instinct, who are driven by their own desires. It drives them 
to the place to get trapped within their own desires. Like an animal who desires ultimately, who has desires ultimately leaves them trapped in the end. They're born to be caught. They're born to be trapped. He likens people with a mindset, people that are spreading division like this, that they're going to get trapped one day. It's like their desires are going to lead them to a trap. That's why he compares them to animals. Now, I've witnessed my fair share of this, especially now, in many areas, but especially when it comes to teaching on the supernatural. I spent the probably the first, at least first, I'd say, strong decade of my ministerial life teaching on the supernatural. And uh, not that I don't now, but I spent like a huge, there was a huge focus because I was doing my schools back then, which keep keep watch. We are launching very soon online. But uh, I was doing my schools back then, so I had a huge focus. All of our conferences, events, really honed in and focused on the supernatural. The schools that I had developed, the curriculum that I had developed was all focused around supernatural life. The book that I wrote is called Secrets of the Supernatural Life. And I've had my fair share over the years of people scoffing and mocking, um, uh, uh, like mocking at you know, the supernatural, things they can't understand, you know, and, and coming against things they didn't understand, things that felt mysterious or enigmatic in nature, things that, uh, you know, really had no, that maybe they couldn't necessarily see in the Bible that would be cons considered signs and wonders. Not every sign and wonder is written in the Bible. Um, and so there's things that, you know, would happen in our meetings or things that I experienced in other people's meetings that I would share and I come up against a lot of mockery and a lot of scoffing at times. And why would God do that? And God wouldn't do that. And that's that's demonic and that's wrong. And I mean, scoffing. And, and one of the words for scoffing is to blaspheme. To blaspheme literally means to reject the moving of God in a situation, to reject God's divine DNA or nature in that thing that you're rejecting, to say that that's what that's what the religious did to Jesus. They were waiting for Jesus. Jesus came. They rejected Jesus in the name of God, but really they were rejecting God himself. They were rejecting God the Father in the person of Jesus because he did not come packaged the way that they thought he was going to come packaged. And so I have witnessed my fair share of this. I remember I was driving driving with a friend of mine years ago, very, very long drive, and this topic came up. And he began to make fun of, he began to scoff. Some of the things that he knew I was experiencing in our ministry at the time, which was really blowing up and changing the game and blowing my mind, it was just crazy signs and wonders, things that could not be explained. So the, the purpose of a sign, by the way, is to point people to a destination. When you see the sign on the highway, you know, two kilometers exit, you know, it's a sign pointing to the exit, a sign pointing to a destination. A sign is to point you to the destination of Jesus, to point you closer to Jesus. A wonder makes you wonder and stay in that place of awe, being awestruck with God, saying that, God, you are incredible. I don't know what this means. I wonder what this means. I don't understand it, but I feel like it's it's drawing me in. It's pulling me closer. It's wooing me into a deeper place of relationship with you. So signs and wonders do just that. And this individual was mocking these signs, mocking these wonders. And uh, you know what I just say to people like that? I remember having this conversation. I said, you know, in the end, I don't really care a lot about if you believe or don't believe about this specific thing. But what I do care about is that you see the 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 truth about who God says 
about himself, how God speaks about himself, 100 and some, and I'd always quote this verse in Psalms 115, verse 3. God is the God in heaven. He does whatever he wishes, does whatever he pleases. At least don't forget one thing, that in the end, he's God. His ways are higher than our ways, thoughts than our, are higher than our thoughts. He can do whatever he wants, when he wants, because he's God. You are not. We are not. And so, in the end, I've always landed on this verse that he just does whatever he pleases. He does what he wishes. If he wants to do this thing and you don't understand it, guess what? He, he is in the business of blowing your mind. And you don't want to get to heaven one day. And speak to God and God be like, why did, you, why did you waste your time scoffing and mocking at the things that you didn't understand? I am God. And there's going to be a lot of things you don't understand in, in heaven. Well, right now, at least, if you were shown everything that's going on in heaven, you would understand it. When you get there, you'll understand. And you'll understand that you didn't have to understand everything while you were on the earth. You just get to believe in the mystery of who God is. Part of the mystery is not understanding every part of the mystery. That's why it's called a mystery. You're on this quest. It's unfolding every single day of our spiritual life. And so we need to keep up our guard up against the mockery of faith. Number four, we're almost done. We have two more left. We need to keep our guard up against twisted sexual desires. Now, I know it addressed this in the previous verse I just read, but it addresses it again. So I'm going to hone in on this for a second. Let's go to 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 18. It says, They brag about themselves with empty, foolish boasting, with an appeal to twisted sexual desires. With an appeal to twisted sexual desires. They lure back into sin those who have barely escaped from a lifestyle of deception. So what he's talking about here is that that with this heretical teaching that's spreading and dividing and the things that are going on as a result of this heretical teaching, it's actually bringing new believers that, that literally are on the verge, are coming into an encounter with Jesus, are coming into the knowledge of who Jesus is, are giving their lives over to Jesus. This heretical teaching is getting in, which is why Peter is addressing it in Asia Minor, which is why he's addressing it, because he sees the division, he sees the dissension amongst the believers, where they're falling out and being led astray by these errors, okay, that are being taught. They're coming into error. He's, he's literally addressing this fact that these new believers that are almost like they're, they're, they're there are being sucked back into their old life again. They're being sucked back in because, I remember, um, and this is not to, do not, please do not hear, I am not saying that it is wrong to drink. I'm not saying that I believe it's wrong to have a glass of wine or a beer or whatever. I'm not saying that at, at all, okay? Nor do I believe it's wrong. But I rem always remember a story of a former leader of mine who actually was on staff at one point. And I remember the story that they were going, they had just cut, they had come out of a rough lifestyle. They had recovered from alcoholism. There were, he was a full-blown drug addict. And I remember him telling me a story. It's always stuck with me that he went to a small group out of church who, and I won't mention who the church is, but it just, it always saddened my heart. I went to a small group out of church and at this small group, it was held at a bar. Nothing wrong with having a small group at a bar. In fact, I think, go have a small group at a bar. Awesome. Bring the kingdom, bring kingdom fellowship into every area of society. But because everybody was drinking and there wasn't a sensitivity to who was at the table, who was in the group, they didn't know if there was recovering alcoholics, former drug addicts. They had no grid. They were just drinking, probably drinking way too much, crossing the line, moving from the gray area into the no-go area. And as a result, this guy who was weak in his faith, 
saw that this was happening. He's like, oh, maybe this is okay. This is how this is how believers do it. This is this is okay. Like, let's cross the line. It's okay. And I'm in a safe place because I'm with believers in Jesus. This guy ended up um, relapsing, went all the way. I mean, I don't even want to go into the details. Ended up in a real worse shape than he was prior. Totally relapsed, almost just totally destroyed his life. And it all happened in an environment where there was a culture of accepting certain things that if they were more conscious of, maybe, you know, wouldn't have transpired into what transpired in this guy's life. And he ended up relapsing. Now, once again, don't hear me say, I'm not saying don't have a glass of wine, don't drink. I'm just saying that Peter is addressing stuff like this, where there's certain belief systems, lifestyles, things that are luring people back into their old way. And let me just continue on where it says this in verse 19. They promise freedom, but they themselves are slaves of sin and corruption. For you are a slave to whatever controls you. And when people escape from the wickedness of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and then get tangled up and enslaved by sin again, which is what happened to my, which has happened to this, this leader I'm, I'm talking about, enslaved by sin again, they are worse off than before. It would have been better if they had known the way, it would have, no, sorry, it would be better if they had never known the way to righteousness than to know it and then reject the command they were given to live a holy life. They prove the truth, speaking of these people that led this, that are leading people astray in the church Peter is addressing, okay? And I'm illustrating it by telling the story about this guy. They prove the truth of this proverb, a dog returns to its vomit, and another says, a washed pig returns to the mud. And this word for twisted or desire, twisted sexual desire, literally means this, a desire that breaks acceptable boundaries, okay? Now, I know I haven't addressed the sexual part yet. I kind of just gave another story, a side story, just to talk about how people are lured back in. I remember a story years ago when I was leading a trip down to Mardi Gras. We used to do these outreaches. I think for seven to eight years, I led trips down and teams down to Mardi Gras from Canada. And we'd spend five to seven days there leading uh, an outreach, being a part of an existing an outreach. And I was, you know, I would, I would help lead um, a portion of that outreach onto the street, you know, into every crazy part of this crazy party called Mardi Gras. And uh, I remember this one guy who came to me and uh, said, who, who was kind of a recovering, let's just say, sexual addict, okay? And he came to me. And he actually said these words to me, and I thought, I, I didn't laugh, I, I was concerned, but in my mind, I'm like, I, I was actually in shock. And he said to me, he said, Sean, I think what I should do, because of my past, and I'm going to Mardi Gras, and we had a very specific, you know, boundaries and protocol. You know, if, if somebody went on the outreach and we saw that they were being weakened by the environment, we'd pull them out, okay? Uh, we didn't want anybody to leave worse off than they were because we're going there to love and share the love of Jesus with people, see people have encounters with Jesus, pray for the sick. I mean, and, and incredible things always happen, but also some other things happen too. But anyways, all that to say is this guy came to me and said, Sean, I think what I should do is I should go to a strip club, I should pay for a lap dance, and I should be in a place of vulnerability so that I can prove to myself that I'm strong enough to overcome sexual desire or sexual temptation so that when I go to Mardi Gras, I'll be good. And I'm like, bro, I don't think, actually, I know that is not a good idea for you. 
And I do not encourage you to do that. In fact, if you go do that, you probably aren't and shouldn't come on this trip with us. It's probably not the best thing for you. But I had to really guide him. It was like he came into this mindset. It was, this is kind of what Peter is talking about. And I'm not talking about this in this specific case. I'm alluding to it though, that these seeds, these mindsets come in that twist um, a healthy sexuality, healthy sexual desire. And when they get twisted, they could really bring us down a wrong path. And the culture is and has promoted this for so long to twist and misguide our God-given sexual desire. Like our desire for one wife, the culture twists it and says, you shouldn't desire for one wife. Our desire for one husband, keeping our sexuality in the confines of covenant marriage. Like I'm in covenant marriage with you. I'm committed to you not saving oneself for marriage, crossing gray lines because the culture says it's natural. We get so much of our sexual um, health from society and not from the word of God. And this is dangerous. And this has been largely affected by a lack of what I would call identity within our culture. Every year, there seems to be a new identity that people lean into because they are no longer comfortable within themselves, always creating a new definition for humanity. God created us, listen to this, male and female. He defined us and then identified us, and that's enough. That is everything we need, period. This is why I think the word, and this is why Peter encouraged it, to go back to the word, to be founded and to be rooted in the word in seasons where there's all this stuff coming at us and teaching, heretical, um, uh, uh, motivated, influenced teaching coming at us, trying to squash out faith within us. This is why we need the word. Like, listen, there are two genitals that fit together perfectly, and that's God's best and his desire for us. If there were many puzzle pieces that fit together, then they would all work for multiplication. Since he, since this literally was the first commission, this was the first commission. I'm going to be addressing this next week in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, to be fruitful and multiply. Puzzle pieces that fit for pleasure, but also with the advantage of multiplication. If it doesn't have the ability to multiply, it probably doesn't fit together, okay? And it's not God's best plan for our lives. If it won't work for multiplication and it doesn't fit, then it wasn't part of his great design. I want to say it again, okay? This is where we are twisted and we are being influenced in our culture today. There's a twisted sexual desire that is influencing the church and influencing the culture to compromise God's original design, his original plan, his original intention. He always wanted, okay, a round peg to go into a round hole. He never wanted a square peg to go into a round hole. It doesn't fit, it doesn't work. There's no unity, okay? There's no, uh, it doesn't It doesn't work. It, it, it's, it's not the, the part, it's not the design, isn't the plan, isn't his best intention. The culture says, and is saying, do whatever makes you happy. But I wanna give us a reality check for a second. We don't even know what makes us happy until we encounter the one who created happiness itself. Common sense has been sabotaged in our culture, and so it was in Peter's culture, which is why Peter over and over again was addressing 
these, these things that were influencing division in the culture, in the faith community. Number one reason why people of the faith that begin to compromise and then live in compromise, which is two different things. There's compromise and then there's living in compromise. I'm not saying you won't come up against a season or come into a season or come into moments where you're tempted to compromise, but to live in that space of compromising every day is a whole other thing. But the number one reason why people and former believers fall into a trap of twisted sexual desires is because of a seared conscience over time. We've read this in First and Second Peter how Paul actually delivered Hymenaeus and Philetus, literally he said this, over to Satan. In other words, the illustration is I've just given up on them in a sense, like in hopes and in prayers that they will be saved in the end because they had a seared conscience. No one could get through to them. There was no hope for human, humanly speaking, to get through to these individuals. They had a seared conscience. The Bible says it was seared with a hot Iron, so seared, it's like no senses were left, okay? No awareness were left, completely dulled out. And the number one reason why former believers or people in general fall into the trap of twisted, I'm not talking about sexual desire, okay? There's healthy sexual desire, but twisted sexual desire, which is what Peter is addressing, is because of a seared conscience over time. A seared conscience over time. So keep your guard up against twisted sexual desires. We can literally camp out in this one point for a very long time. But for time's sake, I want to go to the last point, which is, I think, one of the most powerful and relevant points today. I mean, they're all relevant, but this one really is getting hit hard. And it's the twisting of Scripture. Keep your guard up against the twisting of Scripture. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. And remember, our Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. This is what our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you with the wisdom of God gave him. Verse 16, speaking of these things in all of his letters, some of his comments are hard to understand. And those who are ignorant and unstable have twisted, listen to this, twisted his letters to mean something quite different just as they do with other parts of Scripture, and this will result in their destruction. Now, this is happening across the board, okay? And it's happening as a result of everything I just said. The four previous points that I just said literally have led to a place where we can't even see the Scripture for what it is. We can't even let the Holy Spirit guide us because we're so emotionally traumatized by what the culture has spoken over our lives, declared over our lives. We've been robbed of our identity. So now when we look at the Scripture, we it's already hard to understand, and we don't have the Holy Spirit helping us. So we're literally looking at it through the lens of our biases, our trauma, our hurt, our pain, our own twisted sexual desire, and we're interpreting it everything from that lens and finding a way to find a way to promote whatever it is that we believe as our truth, and then calling it the truth, twisting the scripture. Write this down. Don't let your trauma interpret the scripture. Let the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit heal you of your trauma so that you can interpret the scripture with clarity, removing all the cloudiness. And uh, man, I've had so many, so many conversations, enlightening ones, discouraging ones, encouraging ones, working through scriptural interpretation, theological understanding. I love a good conversation around the Bible. But here's the things. There are some very fundamental common sense, simplistic truths in Scripture, 
from the beginning of Genesis and onwards. And there's a whole bunch of other stuff that sometimes feels gray. And sometimes it's in those gray zones, which becomes the danger zones, that we begin to take all of our junk and we begin to look at those gray zones and interpret all the gray zones through the junk within our own trunk, through our own biases, our own trauma, our own hurts and pains. And I'm not saying, I'm not to, to negate the pain, not to negate the trauma, not to negate the hurt in one's life, but we simply cannot read the word through the lens of all of those things. And I'm not saying also that everyone and all of us and myself included, it is not without those things. And that's why we're always on a process and a journey of working it out. But in a culture today, I think this is one of the things that we need to keep our guard up against. It was in Peter's day and it's the twisting of Scripture. Let me just say that there are things that I don't understand in Scripture, things that I'm I'm unsure of, and even based upon my personal experience. But I have to let the Word be my gauge for life and not my life be my gauge for the Word. Let me say it like this for you. Write this down. We have to let the Bible be our gauge for which we assess life, not let our life be the gauge for which we assess the Bible. Let me say it again. We have to let the Bible be our gauge for which we assess life, not let our life be the gauge for which we assess the Bible. Bible illiteracy is a real thing. I shared this last week, and I, I, you know, I've had so many conversations with people that are on a journey to God. And often, one of the things that I feel like is one of the more common things that is said, talking to people that maybe don't believe in God or on a journey journey to God is, well, I've, I've read the whole Bible and yeah, I don't believe it. I've read the Quran, I've read this, I've read that. And you get into a conversation and it's like, have you really actually like ever read it? Because it doesn't sound like you have, because the Jesus that you're describing has is not even close to being reflected in the Bible that I read based upon what you're saying. And often it's just a way of getting out of the conversation. And this is the thing. There is a thing called Bible illiteracy. And I think there's a culture, not only a non-believing culture, but even a believing culture, a so-called believing culture within the church that needs to get into the word again if they have or at one time were, or needs to get into the word for the first time if they haven't already. If you're a young person watching, I encourage you, get into the word, study for yourself. Don't just watch every YouTube channel and read every book you can get your hands on, although that could be okay, okay? I'm not saying I'm not against that, but I'm just saying get into the Word yourself, develop your own study habits, and watch how the Holy Spirit begins to speak to you and deepen your faith as a result of your own personal journey and quest in the Word. Let me just continue by closing this whole message up with this last verse. I know I've read a lot of scripture today. This is a little bit of a heavier word, um, but I just really feel like it's a huge part of this season of breaking through us. These are the things that we need to keep up guard, our guard against if we want to break through the things that are on the outside. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 17 to 18, to close with this. So you already know these things, dear friends. So be on guard that you will not be carried away by the errors of these wicked people and lose your own secure footing. Be on guard from what? The slander of truth, the despising of authority, the mockery of faith, twisted sexual desires, the twisting of scripture. This is the key and this is the way to longevity. Keep your guard up. Let me pray. Father, I just pray right now for everyone watching. God, I just pray that you would enlighten us, you'd strengthen us right now. God, I pray that you just help us to become aware 
of the things that are coming at us, the confusion that's coming at us, the things that are, are that are hitting us every which way, the arrows that are piercing our soul that we're not even aware of. God, I pray that you would heal us. I pray that you would give us wisdom to advance, wisdom to move forward. God, I pray that you would help ground us in this season, help ground us in the word, help ground us in study, help ground us in relationship with the word himself, Jesus. You are the word. You are the word. The word was you. The word was with you in the beginning of time, John chapter 1. And I just pray that from this season or in this season moving forward, that we would have a new, um, almost like a new confidence in what's really coming against us. Maybe we weren't even aware of it, but these things are coming against us like seeds being planted. And we don't even know sometimes they're being planted in our soul and in our spirit. And I pray that you would uproot these things and deliver us, God, from the weight of these things in this season in Jesus' name. God, I pray that you would just encourage us, strengthen us as we move forward in the name of Jesus. Amen. Love you, kingdom culture. Hope this encouraged you. Like I said, I know it was a little bit heavier. I hope this enlightened you, and I hope it gave you some awareness of some of the things that are going on around you right now in Jesus' name. Love you. Wow, that was amazing. Yes, that was great. Keep your guard up, yeah. the way to longevity. Thank you so mm -hmm. much, Pastor Tron, for sharing yes, this you. word. And if you're out there and you never said yes to Jesus, mm -hmm. today can be your day. I believe that you didn't land yes. on this channel by mistake. Mm -hmm. Jesus wants to have a life of relationship with you. He wants to get connected yeah. with you, bring yeah. you into a whole new life where in him, all things were gone yeah. and a new life, a new history yeah. is to be written. So I want to invite you, if that's you today, if you want to walk into that life of relationship with Jesus, just to repeat this prayer after me saying, Lord Jesus, mm. I give you my heart. I give you my life. I ask forgiveness for my sins. And I say yes to a new life. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I say yes to living with you today and every day moving forward in your precious name. Amen. Yes. Amen. That is the best yes, yes you'll ever make. This is the best decision that will change your life. And if you said yes, truly, and you continue to engage that relationship mm -hmm. with God, you are embarking on the journey that is going to bring you so much freedom. Yes, guys, and we want to, if you that's you, please email. We want to walk with you. We want to send resources your way. Send us an email to prayer at kingdomculture.ca and we would love to connect with you. And that's it for today. Don't forget yes. to smash the like, subscribe yes. to this channel. Thanks you for being with us today. And again, stay close to God. Get in the word. Again, reach out to us. If you need some help with resources, because you're like, I want more. I want to stay close to my relationship. I want to study what's good. What's good resource out there that's mm -hmm. good to make sure that I'm staying connected. But you know what? First, just talk to God and process to God everything that you're feeling and get into the word. And Absolutely. so I want to encourage you. Um, and we love you. We believe yeah. in you. We're proud of you guys. And we'll see you hopefully soon in soon. person. Have a good week. Have Bye. a good week. Bye.